0: Welcome to another edition of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. I'm Ryan Dobson, and our host is psychologist and author, Dr. James Dobson. Here at Family Talk, when we talk about parenting, it's usually pretty age-specific. We might spend a program asking Dr. Meeker about potty training, or my dad might share his wisdom about surviving the teen years. Well, I'm thrilled today because our message applies to kids of all ages, from preschoolers all the way up to college-age kids everyone deals with peer pressure. In fact, adults deal with peer pressure. If you think your kids are too young to worry about this, let me ask you, how many times has one toddler's temper tantrum turned their brother or sister into another set of screaming lungs and pounding fists? Exactly. So, if you're a parent, grandparent, teacher, or really anyone who loves kids, be sure to stick around for today's broadcast. Peer pressure terrifies parents because no matter how responsible your child is, you know they are susceptible to what their friends think. Everyone wants to fit in. We all want to be liked, so it's crucial that we teach our kids that they don't have to be dragged down. In fact, they can actually lead others into doing what's right. That's exactly the idea my dad talked about in the classic interview we're going to play today. He sat down with Dr. Tim Elmore and Tim's wife, Pam, to talk about raising kids who don't follow the pack. Tim is the founder and the president of Growing Leaders, created to help develop kids into leaders. Tim and his team have mentored more than 80,000 students in 700 schools and organizations. He's also the author of a book titled, Nurturing the Leader Within Your Child, which you'll hear mentioned a couple of times during today's program. And on top of all of that professional experience, Tim and Pam also have a couple of children of their own. So let's get started as we pick up this conversation where my dad reads a short story called Sheep Led to the Slaughter from his book, Coming Home, Timeless Wisdom for Families, here on this Family Talk broadcast.
1: I once saw a dramatic documentary film that featured a packing house where sheep were slaughtered. Huddled in pens were hundreds of nervous animals that seemed to sense danger in their unfamiliar surroundings. Then a gate was opened, leading to a ramp and through a door to the right. In order to get the sheep to walk up that ramp, the workers used what is known as a Judas goat. This is a goat that's been trained to lead the sheep into the slaughterhouse. The goat confidently walked to the bottom of the ramp and looked back. Then he took a few more steps and stopped again. The sheep looked at each other skittishly and began moving toward the ramp. Eventually, they followed the confident goat to the top, where he went through another gate that closed behind him. This forced the sheep directly into the slaughterhouse. It was a dramatic illustration of herd behavior with deadly consequences. There's a striking similarity between the sheep following the Judas goat and teenagers who succumb to peer pressure. Those who are more confident and rebellious often lead the timid into trouble. Some inject themselves with heroin or get involved with cocaine. Others engage in dangerous practices such as driving while drinking and engaging in violent behavior. But why do they do such destructive things? Don't they care about their own lives and the future they're risking? Well, most of them do. But the pressure to conform, to follow the Judas goat, is even stronger than the need for security and well-being. Adults have a similar problem. The prophet Isaiah observed it when he wrote, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. That's Isaiah 53, 6. I think there is some uh, wisdom here, if I may say so, uh, for us in reference to what we're going to talk about today. And my intention in sharing that story... Uh, was uh, to make the case for not following the crowd and for teaching children to make wise choices for themselves. These days, you know, kids just absolutely cannot afford to stumble along with their peers. There are just too many harmful possibilities and movements out there uh, that will beckon them from the outside world. So we need kids with strong character who know how to stand, and also those that know how to lead others. So that's what we're going to be uh, talking about uh, today on our broadcast. And we have a delightful couple, new friends whom um, I just met uh, he, with us here in the studio, uh, who will uh, really help us zero in on this topic of leadership skills in children. Uh, Dr. Tim Elmore is author of Nurturing the Leader Within Your Child, And I am pleased to say, uh, somewhat over her own objections, (laughs) that his wife Pam is with us uh, today as well. She came uh, to my office as we were getting acquainted and I invited her to come and join us and her first answer was flat out no. (laughs) Pam, thank you for coming to be with us. Absolutely. You don't consider yourself to be the noisy one, do you? Correct. (laughs) But you're raising two kids Mm -hmm. And uh, you have uh, concerns about this Mm -hmm. issue and how to teach leadership skills, don't you?
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, give us the names and ages of your uh, two children.
2: Okay. Bethany um, just turned 14, getting ready for high school, and Jonathan will be 10 this month. Ah. And um, they're a delight to us.
1: And you're enjoying it.
2: Yes, absolutely. Are you a
1: full-time mom? I am. (laughs) <laughs> hmm. Okay, would you like to talk for about 20 minutes? We'll just sit here oh, and listen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> She'd love it. Yeah. Tim, uh, it's a pleasure to uh, have you here the uh, the book that uh, you have devoted yourself to nurturing the leader within your child is uh, is something that is very heavy on your heart absolutely. because you deal with uh, young people first of all uh, tell me how you reacted to the
3: story of the Judas goat have you seen that among the kids absolutely in fact we're seeing it even with our two kids it's so easy just to go with the crowd, the flow. And uh, what we're attempting to do is teaching them to be the influencers rather than the influenced. Hmm. Um, clearly, we're gonna be influenced by our culture, but we wanna set them up into a posture of proactivity rather than reactiveness. And so, uh, yeah, I think it happens all the time, and especially in high school. If that's true, then we need to make leaders out of our kids. I believe so. In fact, I've been a real proponent of the fact that leaders are made, not born. Um, Clearly, there are some. That's a reverse of the phrase, ordinarily. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think we have a natural inclination to think that they're born. You know, there are certain personalities that are take charge personalities, but but I have seen I'm in front of about thirty thousand students a year, and I'm seeing now that regardless of the personality, if they're taught to be confident and they're given some values, they can take charge regardless of the personality. Some in a quiet way, some in a more boisterous way. But I believe it's possible. I believe there's leadership potential in every child.
1: Do they get it when you talk about having the courage to go your own way regardless
3: of the criticism of the group? Um, I think they like it, generally speaking. Um, I, I think even though we realize that they're often influenced, they like to think that they're the, you know, yeah. the leader of the pack. But what I found, Jim, in the most recent generation, the millennial generation, is these kids are postured to be very confident, they feel very special. I believe they love family, Uh, even though in your last book, uh, Bringing Up Boys, you you mentioned that there's a disparity between the time they're getting with family and the time they really need. I believe they love family. In one of the most recent surveys, Jim, uh, I discovered that the number one hero that they listed was not an athlete for the first time in 20 years. It was mom and dad. And number two was grandma and grandpa. So there's a real love, even though they don't get enough family time. Uh, That's to, still to, where their values are. Absolutely. So,
1: Were you
3: a confident leader as a child? Uh, Mom and Dad say that I, I was pretty independent and pretty much found my own way, but I remember my junior high years being very much a follower, very much wanting to fit in and 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 be okay and, and, and be popular. But uh, I think it was when I began to get some um, – what I would call uh, informal mentors and coaches yeah. in my high school years that I really began to, to take charge of my own life and say, I want to follow Jesus, and I'm, and I'm not going to just follow the crowd.
1: That made a world of difference. Well, about 99% of junior hires are followers. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. You don't have a Judas goat. All you have is sheep. You know? <laughs> That's right.
3: And, <laughs> and who knows where they're
1: going. Yeah. Pam, your daughter just came through that. Mm-hmm. Did she make it okay?
2: You know, she did. She's got a, a tender spirit and she's a pretty discerning young gal. So she read through a lot of what was going on with the dynamics of conversation and just watching yeah. people. And we'd have conversations at the end of the day if there were, you know, issues or concerns that she wanted to discuss. I think she has a tendency, like probably most of us, to want to follow. It's more comfortable, but yet she was strong enough to make some good choices on her own.
3: Hmm. Enough to stand on her own
2: anyway and not
3: follow the crowd.
2: I was very pleased.
3: You know, this past year, Pam and I decided to do something pretty significant, not only because we felt like we weren't completely qualified to do all that we needed to do, but we really knew this junior high Uh, period was very significant. It's kind of the bar mitzvah time of uh, a child's life. We decided to select six women that we admired and that Bethany admired and respected. And we asked them to be one day mentors throughout the year for her. And each each of these ladies took her for a day and just poured into her. And we asked them to share their life message. And uh, these ladies went beyond our wildest imaginations. Bethany, for instance, has thought about becoming a nurse when she gets older. She wants to be a midwife. Yes. Well, one of the ladies, Sarah, is a nurse. And so she took Bethany in for the whole day into the maternity ward. And she saw a mom give a birth, a C section birth, and natural birth. And then Bethany attended a class for unwed mothers that Sarah led. And huh. at the end of the day, Sarah talked to her about sexual purity. Well, you can bet that went over way better than lecture 407 from Dad you know, on that subject. And what's really fun, Jim, is recently Pam. I'm going to let you share this story. You and Bethany had a little talk after that, and tell tell, tell what yeah, happened. Well, what it was, was the reaction? Yeah.
2: Well, it was funny because just this last year, she came home one day and she said, "She said, Mom, do you know what it means to go around the bases with the opposite sex?" And I, I mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, Bethany, I think I remember what that means." And I was surprised it was something they even discussed anymore, but. Um, she said, "Well, mom, you'd be surprised at what some of these girls have done." And I said, "Or oh, they say they've done." She said, "No, mom." <laughs> and I'm like, "You're probably right." But um, anyway, um, she's, they had this discussion. They went around trying to impress each other. And I said, "Well, Bethany, did they ever ask you um, how far you've been?" Mm-hmm. And she said, "Yeah." And she said, "Mom, I just started laughing." And I said, "I'm still in the dugout." <laughs>
1: oh, did she really?
2: Yeah, that's leadership. Oh, yes. that, oh, that's good for you, great. Bethany. Well, not only that, I, I, um. I said, well, how did you feel about that? Were you embarrassed? Or, or mm-hmm. did you feel pretty confident about what she had to say? She said, I wasn't embarrassed at all. In fact, it helped some of my other friends admit they were still in the dugout. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, she did take a bit of leadership And there. we
3: attribute that, I think, I, I, we're trying to be good parents, but we attribute that to these, these ladies that have taken her under their wing and began to talk to her about the values. Isn't that? Priceless.
1: Isn't that wonderful when other
3: godly adults Mm -hmm. will step in and help you with your kids? Our, our plan is at the end of the year to bring all six of these ladies together yeah. and have Bethany read a specific thank you, and here's what I learned from you that day, and then have a time of blessing where they lay hands on her and just pray oh a blessing over her. And we feel like this is going to be a very pivotal year because of their input.
1: You know, the sad thing is that um, many teenagers today have never heard a responsible adult, mm-hmm. a teacher, or anyone else, including their parents, yeah. say that virginity is of value. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And in mm-hmm. fact, the whole world seems to tell them they need to get rid of that as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and certainly their peers do. Mm-hmm. So uh, they yeah. get into trouble before they are even mature enough to know, to what, know what in the they're world doing. they're mm-hmm. doing. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, it's uh. true.
2: This is a stage in um, you know adolescence where really the outside voices mean more than moms and dads voices i think and um so she these these things that these women have spoken into her life about they come back to her and when she has a tough decision to make she sees their faces Uh and they're single women and married women that have invested in her and so she sees where she wants to go what she wants to be she's got value uh, self-esteem through all this and it is it's priceless we could not We could not afford something like this.
1: You're obviously practicing what you preach because your point, Tim, is that you can teach these principles, and your book is filled with suggestions for how to go about doing that. You can't just sit around and wait for it to happen.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, in the book, I, I have a section where I talk about not only capitalizing on moments, but also creating uh, memories, uh, Finding those times and planning, you know, those kinds of memories. We, we try to go out fairly regularly to a safe house outreach and feed the homeless with our kids. And I know we're not the only family that does that, but they're learning to serve when it would be very easy just to be a consumer as a, as a, as a kid.
1: Well, I think you have just given us the first principle, which is other focused mm-hmm. instead of selfishly focused. Absolutely. And that you can't really lead others if you're not willing to give
3: to them. Is, we, is we, it it does begin there. In fact, if I can do nothing else in these early years with the kids than to get them thinking beyond their own little world and their own allowance and, and what are they going to do with their own life, but but thinking of others and how it influences others, I feel like we've taken an important first step. Hmm. Uh, Pam, were you a leader as a child?
2: Um, I think, no. I, I would have to say I was a follower. However, if somebody wasn't you know, in given situations, if somebody wasn't following or leading very well, then I would have a tendency to want to take You'd over. step in. <laughs>
1: yeah. Is that right? <laughs> uh, well, this book... Uh, obviously uh, comes from your heart. It's not only practical in your own lives, but you want to uh, offer suggestions to others. We've talked about one of those principles.
3: There are many of them in the book. Uh, Give us another. Well, um, I believe because this generation tends to be a little more confident, um, I've worked with with kids long enough to see Generation X come through, and they were a generation, I, I know I'm stereotyping here, but by and large were pretty cynical And pretty pessimistic. It was kind of like, hey, thanks, baby boomers. You left us with a messed up world and now we have to fix it. The millennials tend to be confident and they say, yes, the world is messed up, but we're going to change it. One of the number one groups that uh, visited Ground Zero after September 11th was the millennial generation. And the phrase that the MS workers kept hearing was, I want to do more than give blood. So um, I know they need to be nurtured. It has to be a developed thing. But I think we're in a place where kids want to do more than survive. They want to make a difference. Tim, uh, you did
1: something really risky, not physically risky, but uh, scary. Uh, when you visited with a rock group, mm-hmm. uh, you went to see KISS. Mm-hmm. First of all, describe what KISS is
3: all about for those
1: that don't know.
3: (laughs) Well, KISS is a band that's been around ever since Leviticus, I think. During the 70s and 80s, they were a big uh, heavy metal band, and they got quite popular. And what drove me to do this was I had become a youth pastor, and uh, I watched them on television, and they were just boasting. About the influence they had with kids and the drugs they were doing, the money they were making. They looked like
1: Satan with the uh, <laughs> painted faces. The, the, the and, painted faces yeah. and
3: I thought somebody ought to do something about that. And it was one of my earliest ventures into leadership, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, How about you? And so when I said, Lord, what, what would you have me do? Pray for them? And, and, and I distinctly felt like I needed to go and share Christ with these, these band members when I was in college. So to make a long story short, I'm a gutsy guy, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> or stupid, either one. Uh-huh. But um, I, I, uh, I had the passion to at least show up at the hotel. And one of the maids, I think unknowingly said, they're, I'll tell you what room they're staying in, room 628. And so I showed up at the room and I waited in the hallway until the, the bouncer showed up in front of the door. And uh, I knew I had to go through him to get to them. So I had my tracks and my Bibles in my pocket. I was bulletproof with tracks right here. But I uh, walked up to him, looked him right in the kneecap, and I said, Sir, can I, can I talk to you a minute? And he looked down and kind of grunted. And I said, Sir, um, would you mind if I took a few minutes and talked to Gene Simmons, Ace Frehley, Paul Stanley, and Peter Chris? And he said it was his job to keep people like me away. And I said, Sir, I know you can do a fine job of that right now, but, but if you won't, let me talk to him. Could I at least give them some materials? And I pulled out the, the Bibles and tracts, and immediately I had favor with this guy. He said, wow. He said, what you want to talk to them about is pretty serious, isn't it? And I said, yes, it's very serious. And he said, I'll tell you what. I'll give this to them. And he said, I'm not supposed to tell anybody this, but every night after their concerts, they go down to the bar for a little nightcap. If you want to meet us down there, you can talk to them as long as you want to so i waited for another two hours and i was shaking in my boots i was imagining the worst you know i was imagining being thrown across the room and so forth and so on but when two o'clock rolled around here they came right on time they walked into the bar i followed them in and we had about a 20-minute conversation and at that point i believe through the sovereign design of god they weren't high or drunk or anything and we Mm -hmm. talked about their own theology what they would concocted in their head about their beliefs about god but i prayed with them and ever since that time i have continue to pray. I discovered a year later that one of the band members had become a Christian, and uh, at the Olympics a while back, they did a yeah. little concert there, and I discovered from the photographer that they now join hands and pray before they, before they do a concert, and they give 10% of their money to charities. I'm not real sure how to handle that theologically, <laughs> given what they do on yes. stage. Well, I'm sure they have far to go, but I think at least, you know what, it's just better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Yeah. And so yeah. I want to say, if we're going to get mad at them, let's also give them a chance to respond to, to the message. So that's what well, I was attempting I tell you to what. I I I admire you. And uh, by
1: that point in your life, you were showing signs of leadership, obviously.
3: I think a little bit. I feel like I've learned so much. And, of course, John Maxwell's been a great mentor. But in the book, I talk about four primary colors of a leader. And I've worked on these four fundamentals over and over and over. The first one is character. Character means I'm leading me really well before I try to lead anybody Uh else. Second is perspective. I need to think differently than followers. I need to be not a consumer but a contributor. Third is courage, and that's this point right here. I, yeah. I knew I needed to step out and take some risks if I was going to lead anybody. And then fourth is favor, the people element of leadership, how to how to be winsome and, and attract others and broker yeah. their gifts and talents. So in the book, I try to help parents get a game plan for how to build those four primary colors yeah. of a leader in their kids.
1: And you have much more in this book. Uh, tell me... What else do you want to say real quickly to our listeners?
3: I feel like the more parents I talk to, Jim, the more I realize they're saying, I want to develop my kids, I want to mentor my kids, but I, I'm out of time. And I'm tired when I get home at the end of the day. I try to communicate in the book that there's some natural junctions in every day uh, that you can mentor and coach your kids. Morning time, when we're getting all getting ready. Bedtime, and then drive time, so travel time. And then, uh, let's see, the fourth junction is um, mealtime, mealtime, which, yeah. which would be that. And, of course, at mealtime, you, you can fulfill the role of a teacher. We talk about values at that time. Bedtime, you're kind of a counselor. They get vulnerable with you. So um, I guess I want to just encourage parents to take advantage of the everyday junctions they already have, even if they have no more plans in the daily schedule. Well, in my
1: book, Bringing Up Boys, I discussed uh, some very important research uh, where Uh, The investigators wanted to see what is correlated within the home with either adolescent success and health Mm -hmm. and prosperity or failure. Uh, what seems to be linked? And of all the things that they investigated, the amazing thing is right in the um, mm-hmm. uh, in the camp of what you just talked about, uh, that being together with your kids yeah. at four times of the day yeah. is critical. One is in the morning yeah. and eating together. Mm-hmm. The second is after school. Mm-hmm. The third is said mealtime at night, and the fourth is bedtime. If you can be with your kids for even a few minutes Mm -hmm. during those four times of the day, your youngsters have a much greater chance Mm -hmm. of making it through adolescence. And I would think of being a leader as well. Absolutely,
3: yeah, no doubt about it. It's exciting. We, we feel like Bethany and Jonathan are our challenges. They're our, our mentees that we have that God has entrusted to us. And so we've tried to make it our goal, not just to survive the adolescent years, yeah. but to say, Lord, help us to train them and equip them for what lies ahead in life and, and to, to ripple then when they leave the home.
1: There's no higher goal in living mm-hmm. than that. Absolutely. <laughs> the name of the book is Nurturing the Leader Within Your Child, What Every Parent Needs to Know by Dr. Tim Elmore, and the foreword is written by our friend John C. Maxwell, who's been a guest here many times. Much more in this book than we had time to talk about. Thanks for being with us Mm -hmm. and for uh, sharing your uh, views with us and practical kind of things that uh, brought you to this subject, and I trust that God's blessings would continue to be on you. you. Thank you very much.
0: You know, there are some people who just strike you as great parents, and I think Tim and Pam are two great examples of those kind of people. I love that they purposely went out and found mentors to place in their daughter's life. I mean, that kind of intentional parenting shows just how much they care for their kids. I'd like to encourage you to follow in Tim and Pam's footsteps. We don't have to raise our kids the best we can, send them out in the world, and just hope they survive. Instead, we can have open conversations with our kids about who their friends are and what those friends are telling them. We might not be able to watch over our kids every minute of the day, but we also don't have to close our eyes and hope they make it through. If you'd like to raise your kids to be leaders and cultivate open conversations with them about their lives, but you need a little help getting started, please do get a copy of Dr. Tim Elmore's book, Nurturing the Leader in Your Child. Just like the title says, there's a leader in every kid. Each child has the strength to stand up to peer pressure, but sometimes they need a little help from mom and dad to find that strength. And if you've got sons, like I do, My dad's book, Bringing Up Boys, is another fantastic resource. It's an all-around guide to helping your son face the same challenges that every boy does on his journey to becoming a man. You can find all the information on how to get both of those books, Bringing Up Boys by Dr. James Dobson, and Nurturing the Leader in Your Child on our website, drjamesdobson.org. And can you believe it? 2014 is here. It's only the second week in January. It's not too late to make a New Year's resolution if you haven't already. So why not make a commitment to Family Talk? Our regular financial contributors are the backbone of our ministry because you are the ones who keep our doors open and our team staffed. Thanks to your gifts, we have producers researching new guests, correspondence members answering your phone calls and emails, and editors working furiously to put the whole thing together. So I want to send out a thank you from the entire Family Talk staff To those of you who have given in the past, and we hope some new donors will join our team this year. You can give online at drjamesdobson.org, via the Family Talk app, on our Facebook page, or by calling us at 877-732-6825. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us next time for another great edition of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk.
2: Family Talk is not affiliated with Focus on the Family.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm James Dobson. For those of you who enjoy our radio program, Family Talk, I have some good news. When you're not able to hear Family Talk right here on your favorite Christian radio station, you can catch us 24 hours a day by downloading the new and free Family Talk mobile app. Visit your app marketplace to download it today. And thanks for listening to Family Talk.